There's two things. One is I think that right now the main index is Unisat and that's been like really brilliant move on their part to do that. But I'm sure within a week or two, we'll see more indexers. We'll see more marketplaces. This is, I think, the watershed moment for BRC20s. And there's going to be, there might be a rough collision here, I think. With the start of the Ordinals protocol, like Casey made his indexer open source and everybody could access it. And that was like the the starting point here. But I don't see that with Unisat. And I think that as other teams, just out of pure economic incentive, they're going to create their own indexers. If there's any inconsistencies in those, we will see a rougher collision with people's balances maybe not matching up. And that's going to be an interesting scenario to navigate. The second topic is the extensibility of the BRC20 format. We know that programmability is going to be a lot harder with this format. For example, creating staking and emissions situations where you want to incentivize the use of your app or your protocol. That's going to be a lot harder to do with BRC20s. It's going to require, at this stage, I believe it would require a centralized server to just post these inscriptions for people to claim them. I'm curious what Jack's thoughts are. And now we have Domo back as well. I'm curious on the extensibility and how this becomes more of a programmatic layer as well going forward, because we're used to, in the Ethereum world, for example, Blur, for example, having these token incentives for community members to, in their view, use the protocol, create value. Of course, a lot of these systems can be gamed. And so Blur, for example, we're going to see this play out. Uniswap has been like probably the most difficult to game model so far. And so we will see, like that's a, a really core feature needed for applications as we shift away from the meme coins and the fractionalization use case, I think, is really great, but we would need to see some support behind the community and how that would be done. That seems like low-hanging fruit. But how do we extend the extensibility? And then what do you think about the potential collision as we will see, I believe, multiple indexers launch in the next two weeks or three weeks, and then there could be a collision there? Yeah, so this is my like unary focus right now is to get an open-sourced indexer out because I agree that... The collision of, of multiple sources of truth, despite it being a simple standard to index, there might be edge cases, et cetera, et cetera. So number one focus right now is to get open source as soon as possible. And I think Unisat also sees this is an issue and are willing and building an open source indexer to come out soon, is my hope. Yeah, I actually just had a talk with them. I think they are open to let it out and just give it to everyone. But I do understand that if they want, they want to keep it for themselves for a little bit because the competition. Unisat basically have been pushed to become the project team of BRC20 because they made the most money from it. They helped a lot of people in minting the token and minting, deploying it and minting it. So they have a incentive or they have an obligation to actually build on top of BRC20. And they have done it. And I really congratulate them for that. They have done a lot for BRC20. And if they want to yeah. keep it for themselves a little bit, I totally understand. We're working on a custom yeah, indexer yeah, for BRC20s also, but Domo, if you're releasing open source, let us know. Yeah, I think this is important. I think Unisat, yeah, I can't speak to their intentions, but at least for the time being, they're following the, the timeline that they provided to me a little bit ago, and they said that their biggest focus was getting a correct indexer out on the first try, not to rush it. It might be a bit of trade secrets, but it's also they want to do it right the first time. That's maybe what the holdup is. I want to know what people are doing with their tokens because really so far it's Rare Sat Society, it's you guys, and it's just a bunch of meme coins as far as I can tell. Anybody doing anything like unique or interesting? I've already spoken with a couple teams that are trying to build some white papers around this. I think they, they want to do some different burn functions. The problem, it's a completely fair launch. 
And so I think people are just going to have to trust, unfortunately, a lot of people or a lot of the builders that are going to be doing these white papers stating that they're going to do some sort of burn. So they'll probably have to mint and then send to some burn wallet that they maybe lose the 12 seed recovery phrase for. I don't know. I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting things coming this next week. And I think that it's definitely going to move away from memes, although memes are, will never die. You can distribute to 100,000 users if you want to BRC20 in certain airdrop or trade to earn whatever functions you want to do. Like it's very possible. I want to hear Domo more than myself. But the simplest part is you can obviously create a very high max limit for a coin. You can then mint the entire amount of the max to yourself and then distribute them in pieces based on however you want to distribute them. So you don't have to have this like first is first type of approach for memes. Uh, but Domo, uh, for all the other functions, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you guys are talking about fair launches as, as if they're a bad thing. And I, I don't necessarily agree. Like this, like I launched this 100% in the spirit of ordinals and Bitcoin as fair as possible, no team share, et cetera, et cetera. But I do understand as things get more serious, there is more need for additional functionality. And that's something I'm considering. No, don't get that word the wrong way. I think the fair launch is a really smart uh, design and it's really helping the community to build around a token as a consensus. And that, that, I think that's the biggest attraction of BRC20 as well. It's so easy to build consensus around a fungible token. It's much harder to build it around a unique JPEGs. And because everyone is unique, right? Even if it's within the same collection, you're still selling a something with a unique trade that is fundamentally different from the other JPEG. But with a fungible token, you can just gather a group of 10,000 people and just start saying, to just, we're going to go to the moon, we're going to get rich together, and just start pumping each other's back. And it's just so such a momentum that you can't get with the JPEG world. Domo, have you considered, again, I know you have lots of things on your plate right now, but have you considered just the idea of adding an extra key value pair that's pre-meant on the deploy that would just allow somebody to specify a certain amount of tokens that would be pre-minted to them? It's obviously something I considered, but you also have to think of the ramifications. Say I put significant team shares into into every token. What happens then? Everyone goes and squats the, the, the tickers themselves and it's unproductive. So you have to think about the downstream implications. And I thought this would be the easiest and least fuckery going on, basically. So that's what it is for now. But again, I'm open to changing things in the future. Oh, I think the biggest debate recently is, uh, are you going to open up the four like character ticker limit? Yeah, I think I mentioned this earlier in this show, and I think it's hilarious that this is the number one question I get, um, given that it's, it's quite a complex standard to understand. But yeah, like I don't see myself going lower because lower just instantly squats. Like I want to avoid squatting at all costs, like, but I could see myself potentially opening to go higher five or more in the future. Domo, I was going to ask, there's something really nice about the way that counterparty tokens work because you can airdrop really easily. And so I'm imagining a new type, a new action on BRC20 that's an airdrop that interfaces really nicely with some kind of collection standard on the ordinal side or even like other token owners. And you could just say, I want to airdrop. This is my token ticker. I want to airdrop this amount of supply and I want to airdrop to this particular collection identifier and then you could just go through you index everything when you hit that airdrop you check and find all the owners 
at, at that particular time because BRC20 balances don't actually sit anywhere. Like you can just give balances. And so you could airdrop with a single inscription to any number of holders as long as they fit this kind of collection identity. So something like that could be really cool just from an airdrop perspective, because otherwise you're forced to either inscribe, if you want to do a thousand airdrops, you have to inscribe a thousand mint inscriptions to those addresses, or you inscribe a single mint inscription to yourself, but then you're having to inscribe a thousand transfer inscriptions to yourself and then send those transfers. So in either case, like it's really hard to do an airdrop augmenting the protocol in this way could be really cool. Yeah, I agree. That could something that could happen in the future. But still, the way I think about it is phase one in the current standards, getting everything as robust as possible, um, enabling people with the current standard as is, and then maybe in phase two, look to these quality of life and improvements and efficiencies that I, I mentioned earlier. Airdrop is really cool. It would just be another function. There's a couple of things you've got to think about there. Again, it's just you want to avoid people just squatting, so airdropping entirely to themselves. So that's a consideration. But that kind of thing is nice because I could imagine the direction of BRC20 goes in the same direction as Ethereum NFTs, where right now it works, but at a certain point, the gas wars just become prohibitive. So this could be a good way to remediate that in the future. Domo, is there anything else you want to get off your chest that you've been hearing people say or just like now that we have you up here, I want to make sure. Is there anything you want people to hear from you just about like your kind of strategy and your thinking around BRC20 as a protocol? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I do really encourage anyone to feel free to build. That's why I'm really focusing on this open source indexer to come out because that enables a whole lot of other teams to grow and build upon the, the protocol itself, but also de-risks away from two sources or multiple sources of truth, which is a concern, as you brought up earlier. So that, that's my main focus at the moment. So if people are building an indexer or hoping to build, just please reach out and I'm going to try and enable you as, to the best of my ability. I know Unisat is uh, pushing this like zero two percent royalties to the deployers of the tickers is that something you support or something that you're against i, I know it's actually the biggest pusher for people squatting as you said uh, tickers now the way i think about it is that it's a fine line to walk you put no incentives and the deployers they have no incentives to continue building but you put too much and it leads to squatting what I'll say with the squatting is you need volume to make money this way. Sure, you can squat in something and hope for that 0.2%, but at the end of the day, you need volume to make money off that. So the incentivize is to build and, and create a sustainable community around your project. And I, I, that's why I, I support this secondary royalty. It's less extractive than other ways than people can monetize their product. The, the other thing is like if you... And we've seen it a little bit, and to much of my dismay, is if there is no incentives at all, it's crypto at the end of the day, and you'll see people doing things that I absolutely do not support in order to monetize the community. By allowing people to do it in a good way, I support, and it hopefully prevents people doing it in a bad way. Another thing is like to dis dissuade squatting, and I think this would finalize it once and for all. It was my first implementation to do it first is first for the ticker. But who's to say in the future, like Ethereum, you cannot have multiples with the same ticker with an additional identifier deployed. So that would just all but completely 
destroy squatting. So that's something I've considered as well. But again, this is still phase one, just making it robust. We haven't even got an open source indexer out there. So these are all nice to have improvements, quality of life efficiencies, and they'll hopefully come with future duration. That's it. That's such an interesting line to walk here because also I could very easily see a secondary market for those tickers. It's fascinating to think about that this is almost like a namespace being created here as well. When we shift from the four letters to the five letters, hopefully six letters, and and Domo, give you give your buddy Trevor a heads up here. You know, I mean, of course, make it like public as well. If any of you in the audience try to front run me, I will find you and hunt you down. Um, I'm curious uh, since Jack, you were with Ordswap, you guys were the first to market with um, PSBTs. If you're thinking about this like a namespace for these tickers, because the original initiation transaction could be just be traded as a contract or as a but i guess then with the the fair launch aspect to it it minimizes that concern a bit but yeah jack what are your thoughts so that's a good idea actually trading deployment and i think i've asked domo questions about this in the past like can you change the limit can you change the max because if you can then obviously only the ticker is more valuable uh, if you can't then you know so i think if you want to trade that one day in the future, what you should do is you should make the deployment a mint limit of one or something or a max of one so that like you have full control over this as you trade it around before you use it. Actually, I had a question about the royalties for the deployment. Who's offering that and what's the status of that? Currently, Unistat's offering it. And I've spoken to a couple of marketplaces that understand it's the incentivization mechanisms behind it, and they'll likely offer it when they go live with their products. What, if you're trading volume on Unisat, or volume's been trading on Unisat for your token, what, are they issuing Bitcoin to the deployment address, or what? So it would be trivial for them to put it into a output in the PSBT, but they've decided to go with the pooled approach for now. Are they tracing it to the deployer address or the one that's holding the deployment ticker, the instruction? So far, I've seen it's who's holding it. I was about to say, somebody's going to start selling these, right? That's the obvious thing. List these on marketplaces, right? There's probably value in that. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, Doc Hollywood, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm learning as much as I possibly can, Trevor. It's taken me like 2x or 3x the amount of time a normal person on BRC20s, but I'm doing my best. I'm tuning in to the Ordinal show, the only place where you can learn about Ordinals, because everywhere else you just learn about pump and dumps. So what I'm learning right now is the BRC20s. And I'm diving in and I'm trying to find like a real world way to use them. I, I struggle with meme coins to add value to those because a lot of the stuff like that's just it goes up and then it goes down. And how do you use something over a long period of time rather than just it's hot for a week or it's hot for a month or it's a trend, right? Because right now we're in the we're in the meme coin trend and then that trend ends and then it's an NFT trend and then that trend ends and then it's major caps. It's, it's always something new. So what's not new is how to use this stuff, right? For, for BRC20, I'm creating a cannabis product. I'm trying to find a way to incorporate BRC20s almost as inscription tags in, in that cannabis product. You open it up. Oh, wow, I got an inscription. Oh, wow, I got a BRC20 that tells me exactly what strain, 
when it was grown, who grew it, what location in the United States this strain is from. Is there ways to use these BRC20s as almost like blockchain trackers? I call it seed to pipe, but farm to table. Is that a way to use these BRC20 where you could inscribe information on them? Is that something that people have talked about using? Tomo, any thoughts? Yeah, man, the world's your oyster. Like, I love the creativity. Like, if you build it, people will come. And yeah, there's all sorts of things. I mentioned you can attach a logo. Why not uh, attach a uh, text file to a project? There's a bunch of stuff you can do with this, especially with parent-child inscriptions coming out or being more functional in the future. Yeah, why not attach an inscription to the BRC20? And then you have some kind of fractionalization of an inscription of some kind. That could be cool. I love that idea. Yeah, check out the BAMS token I'm doing. It. That's exactly that. Hey, while we're on the topic, when are we going to bridge some BRC20s to stamps? Or even bridge them to Emblem Vault, Adam? Have you had any thoughts on or had any people ask about bridging with Emblem Vault? Yeah, absolutely. We haven't had enough because this kind of sites have spun up where it looks like trading is going to be relatively seamless. We haven't started building BRC20 support yet. But we certainly will because it, it just makes a lot of sense because if somebody wanted to, for example, mint an entire token and mint all the supply, if they controlled it all, they could put it inside an emblem vault and basically sell it on OpenSea. So it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. So we'll see how it develops. We're in waiting mode to see if there's like a demand for it. Obviously, it can be done now. You could do it now. There's nothing stopping you. But getting the support so it's properly labeled and stuff, that would take a bit of dev work. Um, we'll just wait. We're in holding method, holding mode right now, just waiting to see if there's a, a demand for it. I demand it. You guys got to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Adam. Well, we're, lo- we're launching Pepe's this week. So um, once once the Pepe's curated collections out the door, we might just jump on it. Adam, what about a custom emblem vault where instead of trading on OpenSea, you actually issue fungible tokens on Ethereum? So it's like a fungible token wrapper for the BRC20s. People have hit us up about that. And I think that there's zero question that's already happening. People are building that already. I know people are building a bridge as well, like a bridge where basically you would put your BRC20s into an emblem vault and then lock them in a bridge. And then that would release tokens on ERC20s Uh, on the Ethereum side as well. So yeah, there's a lot of creative stuff that's happening Zero question about that. It's just a matter of if it can get traction, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's happening for sure. Yeah, I got one more question. I heard some word going around. We've got some governance tokens going around here, BRC20s involving like a Grug and the Ordinals board. Uh, Anybody have any more information on that? I've heard of communities talking about, just PFP communities talking about doing the governance token and trying to start a DAO kind of thing. I don't know that specific token though, but... Look, I, guys, this is not rocket science. Every, In my opinion, every single use case for fungible tokens on Ethereum, look at the market cap. Meme coins are a big thing. These DeFi tokens are a big thing. DAO governance tokens are a big thing. You're going to see all of this stuff, basically, in my opinion. It'll probably follow similar ratios as the market caps on Ethereum. I don't think we have to completely reinvent the wheel with like how this will probably end up playing out somewhat. I would say, the guys, the playing field has just expanded massively. If the playing field with just ordinal inscriptions was like 100, then the playing field is like maybe 1,000 or 10,000. 
uh, in terms of what the possibilities are with uh, BRC20s catching on. I'm curious, other than Unisat, is there any other place to trade these right now? Like where, where are people trading these? And with, with Unisat, you need to have, I forget what it was, but you need to have one of their tokens. You need to have an access pass, uh, OG pass, or 50 Unisat points. Could anyone like talk about how to get started trading these? Go mint 50 BRC20 tokens. It costs about, right now at current prices, it might actually be like $200, $300. But if you wait and do it at midnight, it'll be like probably like 50 bucks. So they're lowering that to 20 in a few hours anyways. And I'm sure it'll be gone in 24 hours. If you want to go do that and jump in there today, you just got to go mint 50 of the same token and they allow you to bulk inscribe. So it's a few clicks. I think the sub 100K is going to be minting their token this evening. So maybe that's a good opportunity to get those points so you can trade on Unisat. I'm glad they threw up the kind of friction walls just to slow things down and just get things in order, but glad to see that's back up and operational. I'm, I'm looking at the mempool right now. It's just absolutely bananas. There's almost 200K unconfirmed transactions. That's the interesting thing, Trevor, is that I think people really in crypto forget sometimes how growth really works it's really not linear growth in crypto it's incredibly exponential and it's like less than a month ago like less than 30 days or or like 10 days ago we had a million or 15 days ago we had a million two million it's just doubling and it'll probably double in the next two weeks as well to four million so it's insane yeah jack do you have any more alpha for us on the centralized exchange like any predictions any thoughts since you've worked in this space and you've seen things happen we're in the middle of a bear market with the BRC20s, I think, you know, what I talked about, like, how I evaluate if I think it's a fad or if I think it's going to be sustainable is, like, the longer it lasts, like, the probability of it being a fad goes down. And if it goes through a dip and then has a resurgence, that's another kind of solid sign that, like, the probability of it being a fad goes down. And then I expect to see, as soon as, like, when more companies and developers come on and more organic adoption and more capital invested, like, the deck starts to become stacked against against something else that's one or two times better displacing it you start to need something that's 10 times better as well as like convenience is a big aspect of why these all these things are successful just because people are comfortable with bitcoin bitcoin is most decentralized obviously there's trade-offs with it with the block time and the ergonomics of development but those things tend to be outweighed by the convenience and trust that people have in the platform jack do you have any thoughts on or predictions on centralized exchange adoption you talked about how for the centralized exchanges they haven't really been successful in nfts so they would be slower to adopt something like ordinals. But when it comes to fungible tokens, that's like their crack cocaine for the centralized exchanges when they see that volume picking up. Any thoughts of even how this plays out? Does it like how could volume jump up if an exchange pops up? And then what is the cascading effects of that? Any predictions? Yeah. To draw a political analogy, there's been like a Bretton Woods agreement, essentially, in this crypto industry, whether these people know about it or not. And whether I'm making it up or not, obviously, I'm not saying it literally. But that agreement is basically, let's not scale Bitcoin. And that way, we can have multiple chains. And that way, we can have big centralized exchanges. And that way, we can have uh, proof of stake implemented into the proof of stake up into the cryptocurrency industry. And that way, we can maintain the powers that be in this world order. In fact, upgrade them into this crypto universe that will maintain that. And in that agreement, it's a similar to anti-vaxxers are canceled, Kanye West is canceled, Donald Trump is taken off of Twitter, 
and BSV is canceled from all of the cryptocurrency industry. Now, the shakeup in this agreement is that now, while they are propping up BTC as a liquidity point for the last 10 years, 15 years, now there is this little sliver of utility that you can build on-chain with BTC. And the crazy thing is, even though there's not a ton you can do with BTC, like you guys said, while it looks like a lot of things, it's like 3 million inscriptions. What is that? 30 minutes of Instagram? Like, how many posts are on Instagram every hour? How many tweets are on Twitter? This is We're all like jerking each other off on 3 million inscriptions over three months, and it's Instagram has that beat in the first 20 minutes, right? The agreement is a little bit like breached. It's like someone has a sanction on certain countries. The sanction is we cannot have utility on BTC. This is the BTC maxis, right? So now we have some level of utility, but because the infrastructure of the worldwide cryptocurrency ecosystem has been set up around this BTC coin. For example, local Bitcoins did not sell anything other than BTC. If you go to a Bitcoin ATM, you do not buy Ethereum, you buy BTC. So like you go to a pawn shop in Argentina, you're buying BTC. So because of this, if there's a lot of movement and a lot of traction at the layer one level that we're seeing right now with ordinals, then a lot of these assets are going to end up trading as BTC. When BTC was just an asset that was controlled by centralized exchanges, you can see over time that there was a shift towards trading against USET, right? It was the base pair. B- BTC used to be the base pair on everything, like Poloniex, right? And now it's like Tether. So if the big concern by the exchanges, again, like I said, these exchanges can recognize these concerns or not deny it or not. I'm just reading to more than maybe others would is that all these assets, BRT20s and other things, are going to end up trading as BTC. And that would draw away a lot of the reasons for having liquidity. Why do we have 100 different L1s? Why do we have all these different L2s? And so you can already tell that when it comes to actually building real technology products that are like beloved by average people, NFTs are so much better. Um because they're consumables, they're actually like digital goods. You can like have cool sneakers as NFTs. You can have a metaverse as NFTs. And exchanges have largely been completely uncompetitive because half their staff that they have to hire is like lawyers and compliance people to get different regulatory licensing. And the other half is like people that open up bank accounts and stuff like this and help customers with their 2FA, with the withdrawals and, the, and whatever. So you have a very uninteresting company on the inside, right? At, at a scale, I'm guessing. Whereas NFT companies and people that can build like on ordinals on chain, you can just whip up code two, three days and you have non-custodial wallets with non-custodial like contracts and DeFi and I feel like DeFi, the first time around, was rugged by the exchanges in the sense that, okay, you had DeFi on Ethereum, but then it didn't scale, so we need to move it over to a centralized exchange. Then the centralized exchanges can launch new, like, layer ones, layer twos, like Sam with Solana and all that stuff to try and make things EVM compatible. Not, not in Solana's case, but in other things like BNB and things like that to move that activity away. The qualities of Bitcoin, BTC, you cannot move away. It's not, oh, this is a proof-of-stake chain. I got made it, made it even more scalable proof-of-stake chain. I got more, like, validators on AWS whatsoever. This is, no, I have stuff going on in my... Uh, DeFi world, BRC20 world, Ordinals world on the most hash power 
on the face of the earth. So you can't easily just be like, I have the most hash. BSV is trying that. BSV has a ordinals compatible standard on BSV. What's funny, there's a total of only 280,000 inscriptions on that chain. They've got one-tenth the amount of inscriptions or ordinals as BTC, even though supposedly with just two pennies, you can inscribe 20,000 times, and yet no one does it. The network effects on BTC is scary, not just for centralized exchanges, but for all the other chains. I remember even one month ago, everyone's talking about Arbitrum, oh, Polygon, oh, like new other layer twos coming onto Ethereum, ZK, EVM, all this stuff. I'm not saying that we're not going to talk about that, but I could say that I don't know this for a fact, but you could imagine that the centralized exchanges has something to do with the Pepe meme. Like it came after the Pepe meme coin on BRC20. If you look at the deployment contract, I'm pretty sure BRC20s came out first and then came out this Pepe because previously, if you're part of a project and then you show it and then you get listed on, the exchanges might only be able to charge like a little list- listing fee, right? Now imagine you take over a meme knowing upfront that you're going to eventually be able to bring that into liquidity onto the massive centralized exchanges. Then you can act like this is some community project meme around and you can make a whole bunch of principal money. Now, I, again, I haven't worked at a centralized exchange for five years, okay? So I am just guessing around, okay? So I'm just saying that in this bear market, everyone needs new source of income. You look at these people firing 50% of staff, all that stuff. So if you can create meme coins, that what's easier, actually incorporating deposit withdrawals for BRC20s or taking some meme-like kind of energy and sticking with ERC20s and buying yourself more time as you formulate a strategy to deal with this BTC kind of the, uh, again, to conclude the Bretton Woods-like agreement being breached that there are actually shit going on in, in Bitcoin again. That's fascinating, dude. Very interesting. Leo, go ahead. Yeah, you've made me think a lot <laughs> from that uh, speech there. I think there's a lot of interesting points you touched on. More broadly, I'm just interested in the question of if Web3 on Bitcoin does play out like we're talking and let's say literally like the BRC20 tokens or just all of the Web3 value on Bitcoin is like equal to the value of Bitcoin. So we're talking like half a trillion dollars potentially. If that world plays out in a year or two or something and that bull case plays out, who stands to win and who stands to lose in that world from your perspective, Jack? Yeah, I want to know the incentive alignments of who stands against us, because right now the Bitcoin maxis stand against us. But in my opinion, they're going to win from this, right? Their Bitcoin's going to go up in value. So are they really our enemy? You know what I'm saying? Who is the incentive alignment to crush this movement? Yeah, I think there's obviously lots of smaller players that are also going to be affected. But if you want the big headline news, I'd say Binance is the one that stands against us. Very interesting. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Okay, so they got proof of reserves, right? They got 500,000 BTCs. In a world where you cannot do anything on-chain, then that looks like a huge round number. Other than Coinbase custody, there's no other exchange that has even close to 500,000 BTCs. But if you turn BTC itself into the exchange, that looks like a tiny number compared to 19 million Bitcoins that can be used in Web3. So any BTC that's sitting inside Binance is BTC that cannot be used to describe a ordinal, cannot be used to do something. Even if Binance gives you a BTC on-chain non-custodial wallet, then that's BTC that their users might pull out of their centralized exchange that is away losing volume on trading fees and whatever. And so before, they had an advantage of as long as you have the liquidity, right? So then like people would end up funding into that. Now, I'm not ever going to discount CZ's moves, right? After meeting him in 2014, look at what he's done. As a human entrepreneur, right, there is nobody in the last half decade, maybe decade, that's 
at that level. But we're talking about a head-on competition now between the on-chain uh, Bitcoin exchange versus the Binance exchange. And so that is like a potential... Does that make sense? Because like money can flow out of exchanges onto like a Unisat in 10 seconds, right? The BTCs cannot flow into centralized exchanges in 10 seconds. Why? Because to get onboarded to a Kraken, to a Coinbase, to a whatever, you have to do distinct separate KYC, separate like onboarding. It's like a black hole, like out of exchanges onto on-chain. Because like previously, if you asked me, hey, uh, do you want to write down your own 12 words, blah, 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 it's I don't want to. Well, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it's, it's safe at these different centralized exchanges. Now it's like, I still hate writing down my 12 words for the average person. But if that means I can get into a, a, a 10,000 X already or something, if that means I can get into something, then that's crazy, right? So like in the entire lifetime history of the Binance centralized exchange, I think they've listed 600 coins, right? In the one month history of BRC20s, we got 6,000 coins. Like maybe all of them are shit, right? But it takes... Domo a few days to make the standard. It takes Unisat a few days to do this. I have no idea. These are like some of the worst devs in the world from BSV, right? Imagine when you get real devs coming onto BTC. I say that a little sarcastically to my brothers in BSV because I know all, all of them, right? But this is a decentralized movement that everyone's going to win. I think just watching what's happened has made me realize a few things myself, which is that like liquidity and the financial incentive will make people learn whatever new like scripting language or coding language you need to learn to code on BTC. So I'm not really that concerned anymore about the whole Solidity stuff, like the fact that there's not a lot of devs that know Bitcoin code. I think there's so many devs right now studying it. I'll just stop there. And Jack, how do you square that? Because like we've said before, there's like a little cognitive distance here for me, which is that these exchanges, like the BRC20 is like the the meth, as David from Bitcoin Magazine put it, or the, it's like the addictive drug for them. And there's lots of competition in the market. And maybe there's like a first mover advantage for a centralized exchange. How do you score that with the idea that these centralized exchanges also want to disincentivize liquidity from moving to the decentralized world? Can you ask that question again another way? Yeah, totally. Because you said like the biggest thing that Binance doesn't want is for people to move their Bitcoin to self-custody, right? Because that would lead to less fees. It would lead to less proof of reserves for them. So at the same time, like you said, this movement may be... Decentralized movements are very hard to, to stop, especially if there's the demand and there's an incentive for these exchanges, especially in the China region with all the demand we're seeing in China, to integrate this and capture that attention, that user base, that momentum. Is it... How do you square those two things? I mean, they want to get all the... I'm no surprise there's like Binance Academy articles about ordinals. I'm no surprise that like they want that attention that they're going to involve. But just the same like Facebook talks. Facebook had this, this guy named David Marcus talking about Web3 all day also. Instagram added you these little avatars so you can use them on Instagram. Everyone wants, like Michael Slater and all these publicity companies talk about doing blockchain technology too. But like that pure on-chain economy apps... That's what a centralized exchanges feels like. They feel as boomer, relatively speaking, as that. And so I don't know if this is true. Maybe this is my own experience. But I try to use Coinbase wallet to like scan a taproot address and I couldn't send to a taproot address. So who's going to keep their BTCs even inside a Coinbase on-chain non-custodial wallet? Like the amount of technical upgrades. And here's the problem, right? If I have a great idea for a social network, but Facebook gives me a, a big, like a Web2 social network, but Facebook gives me a huge offer out of school, I might just like vest and chill, whatever that kind of like 
packages like the, the documentary from like silicon valley where like that guy from i don't know it was like five years ago but like, he hired the google mockery to hire people to sit on the rooftop and just chill for three years like with that package that made sense because it would be painful as fuck for me to build a new airbnb a uber or a google or facebook but now it's like these exchanges sit around with a thousand employees five thousand employees eight thousand employees except it takes two people to build something on BTC and BTC has a $600 billion market cap of users of liquidity. So then it's your talent has no incentive to sit around and chill when they could make all the money for themselves. So there's like this brain drain, liquidity drain over to on-chain non-custodial. So like, because there's no, there's disincentives, there's this economies of scale for scaling. Um, and that's why I think this is another problem. Because before, when you had these, ooh, you can do tokens on Avalanche, you can do, oh, NFTs on, um, what's that thing, uh, Tezos. These are all tiny coins. So if you have $60 billion in proof of reserves on Binance, and this entire chain ranked number 16, like even number 16, which is Avalanche, is only a $5 billion market cap coin. That's market cap. Whereas reserves is actually actual amount of money inside Binance is sixty billion. So like that amount of money versus the Avalanche market cap of actual real money of around Avalanche on chain is probably a factor of a thousand x, ten thousand x, a hundred thousand x. So of course everyone has to go through this funnel back into Binance. But with BTC actually having rock solid liquidity, six hundred billion dollars. It's a much fairer fight because BTC is bigger than Binance Chain and Binance Centralized Exchange. I don't know if the tech is ready this cycle, but I think it's a bit longer lasting, fairer fight. And then at some point, I think people are going to get addicted to this on-chain world of on-chain economy. And then we'll talk about how to scale Bitcoin layers or scale Bitcoin block size. But I think we're a couple of years away from that potentially conversation. Awesome. Thank you for the Jack. That was fascinating. I want to go to the hands. I guess I'm next. Hey guys, thanks for having me up. In regards to the Binance discussion and the mentions that they don't want any Bitcoin to leave their reserves, things like that, it, with having as many devs and being the top exchange in the world, hey, I'm going to be a little bit of contrarian that I don't believe it's going to take years for them to find a method to reap the liquidity that Ordinal's protocol has brought back to Bitcoin and realistically wouldn't it just take them building their own non-custodial taproot wallet or ordinals interfacing wallet and thus still keeping their reserves technically on chain and in their reserves? And secondly, we're in a bear market for, we're going to say the next six to eight months. I'd be surprised if we don't see another major exchange try to take some of this liquidity while they can in such a scarce and choppy market. That's just my two cents. Yeah, Jack, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I think a small centralized exchange can use this as a great differentiator. Pick an exchange ranked number 50 to 100. They announce, oh, we're pivoting to add every single freaking BRC20. Let's go. Then they're going to get 10,000 users. I'm, I'm aware of like, not listing all of our wonderful shit coins we've all created. But we saw in the last 24 hours, Huobi, Justin's amazing Lord Justin's exchange, is obviously trying to get into the liquidity battle here. And talking about listing Ordi, Pepe, and Wizard, do you think it's just a little too far of a long shot to say years to have a, another major exchange try to pick it up? And how do you see us filtering out some of these scam or actual legitimately just shitcoin token? I minted 
FAG a little while ago that the total supply is still up for a minute if you guys want, just because we're going to see this happen with the, the limited characters uh, we're able to uh, implement for BRC's 20s. And uh, second question was, while we have Domo up here, uh, do we see any future support for uh, multiple emojis being used in the uh, namespace for a BRC20? Yeah, again, I've said this multiple times. I just find it so hilarious that the the topic gets keeps on getting back to the tickers. I don't anticipate emojis imminently, but yeah, who's to say in the future? Why not? But yeah, at the moment, I'm just keeping it as trying to dissuade uh, squatting as much as possible with the couple of methods that I discussed earlier. But yeah, just keeping it simple for now and then maybe in the future. And are you excited that Lord Justin's son has recognized your BRC20s as valid liquidity? Yeah, it's also scary as well. I think if you were here at the start or in previous shows, you've seen how this experiment started as a Dune dashboard that broke within 20 minutes of launching. So yeah, it, it, it's gone big quickly. It's exciting, but also scary at the same time. Yeah, I just want to say, Domo, man, take some time. Like, I'm sure like this is a very intense and surreal uh, experience for you. I can't even imagine it myself, what you're going through. And uh, yeah, man, like just keep your head on your shoulders there and, and don't feel pressured or feel like you need to do anything really. Take care of your take care of yourself first. Like the uh, things will happen organically and a lot of 99% of this is going to be out of anyone's control. So yeah. I share you know. tre- tre- uh, Trevor's sympathies because I done BRC 20s for the first couple months just because I thought it was a joke. And yeah, Domo, but Domo, take it easy, okay? And things, if people do bad things with your protocol, it's not on you. Don't let yourself become crazy like Craig. Jack. Also, do you remember the first hour you came out with this protocol? We, we were chatting. <laughs> I yeah. was telling you this yeah. is absolutely huge. Yeah, Jack was the first person I talked to after launching. And he told me it was broken. So I, I was panicking, but it wasn't actually broken. Uh, one last uh, little question. Do you have any plans to utilize a client side extension support or building of secondary decentralized applications on the side client side. Uh, I saw Post Capone made mention of it a couple times in a few posts, and I definitely see some real in- incentive to build in that space. Yeah. yeah, why not? Like, I think one of my points earlier was because I haven't implemented it right now, it used to say it can't be done in the future. So I think there's a lot of tax my way saying, why is this in there now, now? But I'm open to integrating in the future. So please reach out if you're willing to help. Yeah, don't want that note. Like this can be a very probably stressful situation for you. I can't imagine. We can see it def- like the rise of ordinals definitely affected uh, Casey as well, especially because he's friends with a lot of the maxis and some people that he thought were, uh, and I don't want to speculate, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, this is speculation. But like the idea is that people are going to complain. People are going to like tweet like negative things about you and just mute, just block mute, turn it off. You know, if you need to like pin a tweet says, Hey guys, I'm, I'm piecing out for a bit. Good luck. Totally cool, man. Do what you got to do to keep yourself sane in this, uh, extremely crazy and insane experience we're about to have here. To, to your point, uh, Trevor. Yeah. I think someone said earlier, it's getting to a point where it's no longer in my control, really, but I'm doing my best to steer in a positive and sustainable direction while I still have that like, fragment of control. So uh, that's why I'm sticking around for the time being, not to make a quick buck or anything, just to guide it in a positive direction. We believe you have good faith. We've seen you over the past many months just making cool shit. Anybody who takes two seconds to look into the history of this 
would know that you've had good intentions from the beginnings. But there will be a lot of people trying to say that you have bad intentions or whoever. Who cares, man? I would say just ignore it and just be ready for it because it's gonna ha- it's gonna happen no matter what with these things. The the bigger you get, there's bad. A lot of the the more hot something gets, like we saw in the beginning of Ordinals, and I'm sure is going on ERC twenties. A lot of people try to make a quick buck and do whatever they can to get a minute of attention. So just just tune it out. Yeah, literally find your like absolutely favorite like golden child of crypto and just go search their name in some bad word, and it's literally everything gets said on Twitter. Like six five two nine is a great example. Like I, I look up to the guy; he's like a really great actor in space, in my opinion. Like building multiple companies, investing into just like the whole ecosystem of NFTs, like really helping to build this out in a positive way, and like being a voice that is pointing us, in my opinion, a positive direction. And I'll just like randomly see like some absurd thread that's just, it's engagement farming. Like they're just trying to like, when you tweet something bad, like when the Swan BTC dude like tags like 10 VCs in a tweet thread, that's like his biggest tweet thread, even though there's nothing of substance in it. So it's, yeah, dude, you got to tune that stuff out and you just set in your head what you value and what you believe is important and really just try to put that into the world. And that's really the best you can do. And yeah, don't listen to the, 5% 5% of people who are really loud and obnoxious because they're going to they're gonna occupy a lot more space in your head if you let them. And they're going to seem like a lot larger than they are when the reality is like, dude, you've got literally probably like 10,000 huge fans of you right now. I'm sure everyone on this space has nothing but respect for you, dude. And those are the voices you should be listening to and getting feedback from because they actually care about you and have incentive alignment around wanting you to be successful versus a lot of the attack is it's not that they actually don't like that thing that you did or they don't like you or something. It's that they actually feel threatened by what you're doing. They believe their bags will hurt because of what you're doing. And that's the underlying motivation for a lot of the hate you'll see on Twitter. Just ignore it. Twitter's a bit of a toxic place, but ultimately like people like, w- like what's going on is really neat. And it's a very much a uh, kind of moment in the history books for Bitcoin as a whole. So I just think enjoy, enjoy that moment and don't, don't do not spend too much time reading the comments and whatnot because it, it's there's just a lot of people that are keyboard warriors out there. And I would also add, there's no problem with making money. I think that these protocols that's how they that's how they gain adoption is because people it's because of capitalism. People have an incentive; they have ability to make money. And what Satoshi did in the early days with mining and then never spending it, there's also the potential he could have mined from alternate wallets or whoever he may be. So like this idea of, oh, would the creator of something that's become massive make money? That's so wrong. It's like, hell no. That's the incentive to innovate and to throw stuff out there. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. So I always like laugh people like, I'm here to make money, guys. I don't know if you know this. I'm here to make as much fucking money as I can trading, investing and doing it in a way that has integrity. And if just because one makes money doesn't mean that they didn't do it like they were, they didn't have integrity. Look at all the fucking billionaires in the world who created startups. Look at Elon Musk. Look at... Bill Gates, look at Steve Jobs. These great guys created massive value for society and push technology forward to where we live in a world of complete, almost uh, close to abundance here compared to 100 years ago. And the idea that capitalism is not aligned with creating value for the world is, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of it in the Bitcoin community, which frustrates me. That, and, and even like, it's really common with developers, actually. Like a lot of developers, like over the years I've worked with, and it's a part of open source, and I, I recognize that's also important. And that there's different ways to make money and there's different levels of value capture and that all needs to be taken into consideration. But making money by itself is not a bad thing. Like it it takes investment and risk and money to make money and creativity 
and that's what drives innovation and drives society forward. So yeah, go ahead, Jack. And then actually Billy first, then Jack. Damn. How am I going to follow that up? No, I was going to say for everyone in here, who's like in it every day and is coming to these shows, man, take a step back. The first four months of this year, imagine going into a coma when Bitcoin hit $14,800 last year and then waking up May 1st. We're talking NFTs on Bitcoin, token launches. It's absolutely insane. Domo, for real, it was inevitably going to happen. So no weight on your shoulders, man. You're crushing it. But yeah, I just wanted to point out how like taking a step back hearing people talk for hours about literal token launches not on lightning where everyone thought oh of course everything is going to get tokenized on l2 that's where it's going to be it's just incredible to witness and to see this all happening on main chain and to see all this utility i'm pretty sure every bankless episode last year was just talking about the flipping boomer coin orange coin bad doesn't do anything it's just cool to take a step back, get some perspective, and just witness all this unfolding. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I don't know. We need to call Elon Musk and tell him to fix this Twitter thing if you're getting a lot of hate, Domo, because that's obviously wrong product. You're one of the legends. I always have your back. I like to say that there's three people that I am aware of that really made step functions uh, zero to one ch- changes in this world, and that would be Satoshi, then Casey Rodemore and then Domo in that order. Oh, man, Jack, um, don't put more pressure on him, man. Don't put more pressure on Domo. <laughs> no, no pressure. I'm, I'm talking about what's already been done. I don't mean any, any work going forward. People like me are just people are just like, oh, cool, someone else invented something great. Okay, what can I do with that? Maybe I'll make some art. Maybe I'll make some trading tools, something like that. We're, we're largely irrelevant, but these are the heroes in, in my eyes. But that's all I want to say. You have my support. Yeah, thanks, everyone. I've, I've got to hop to a call now, but appreciate the kind words, and thanks for having me on the show, guys. Take care. Peace, dude. Really appreciate you sitting through our therapy session there. <laughs> the unasked-for therapy session. Have a great day, dude. Really appreciate you coming by. I think that today for me, really, like over the weekend, I was like, all right, this seems like it has arrived. Like It seems like it arrived pretty strongly on the day of launch, and now you know, I'm just really not someone who's big into meme coins. I don't, I don't understand them. And even just understanding like speculation, because I spent my whole career being like speculation is an anti-signal for most products. Like if you have a social media app and the only people using it are like VCs, that's like a, a very negative sign. Usually if like you create like a tool for young people like Gen Z and then it's like all VCs using it, it's usually an anti-signal. But when it comes to this space, adoption is driven by speculation. Speculation is the use case and in, in, in store value, right? Because people want the ability not just, just to save funds that are going to go up steadily over time, but they also want the ability to get more returns. And major, majority of the the wealth in this world is in, in many small hands. And so the path forward on Bitcoin is, and this is an argument that I've had with Dan Held a lot, and I've come more over to to see that being the case that like before payments becomes a use case that's very heavily used, people need to hold as much of their value as possible in Bitcoin. And so the, dr- the driver of speculation is how most people even just get into this space. Their buddy tells them, hey, buy some Bitcoin, it's going to go up. And then they get into it and they go down the rabbit hole. And this space is obviously full of booby traps that you have to be aware of. As we said in the show, 
do not FOMO a large percentage of your savings into BRC20s, no matter what. If you're putting a large amount of your savings into anything uh, but Bitcoin, I think that's a really big mistake. You should be making very calculated bets. If you do put a large amount of your savings into BRC20s, you're just treating it as a lottery ticket and it's almost always going to go against you. Like you actually be, you'd be much better off just to go down to the, the gas station and like literally just buy lottery tickets, I think for the space because it is very high risk and you need to be in like also it's a game of skill like all of us up here are literally training our judgment and training our calculations on how to pick the next big thing and if you're not a professional in the space if you don't have any experience trading or you're not like a, a venture capitalist a tech a, a developer etc like a lot of the spaces there's pvp aspects to trade like a lot of trading is pvp in a growing market, we're in a bear market. We're not in a growing market. This is a microcosm of the larger market that there's been uh, um, pent up demand and pent up interest. And even as Jack introduced earlier, like some very interesting quasi conspiracy theories on the exchanges, which the incentives makes make sense to me. And and you can use your own your speculation to see how that plays out. There's a lot going on here in the space, and so don't FOMO into these and put any significant amount of your life savings. Be put an amount that you are more than happy to lose. As soon as you get profits, take them, then let some of the rest ride. And so I think go out there, continue to dabble. I personally missed the boat on on already and all these BRC20s because it's not my wheelhouse. And I'm somebody who spends like, as you can see, like full time on Twitter here talking about these things. I'm going to get going myself inscribing and, and playing around with this. I'm more interested in some of the utility use cases that we talked about today, like putting the contract on, or sorry, the initiation function, the deployment function on like rare sats, on stacking ordinal, stacking them on inscriptions that are rare. I think the idea of, and also like maybe even seeing if I can trade for some name namespaces, but as Domo said, he's like interested in like making a change to that where like on Ethereum, you can have the same, you can have multiple with the same ticker. So all of these are speculative plays, you know, where, how this space moves forward and is governed is com- is completely up in the air as well. So it's you, you want to even be skeptical if Domo says here I'm going to do something like that's not a assurance that it's gonna that that's how the market's going to move. So just want to encourage people like this is the bleeding edge, this is the frontier. The design space is incredible now. There's just it's opened wide up. The combination of the ordinals and inscriptions just from the non fungible side, the design space is still massive because of how early we are. And now with the BRC20s, that space widens up even more. Use this as an education opportunity. Play around. You know, make a couple of small small bets here and there with with not with your life savings, and get involved and meet people and build your group of intellectual people that you want to talk with and and learn from. Because the only consistent way to win in this space is to be on top of learning, to learn faster than other people, and to be on the frontier of what's happening. So that's my kind of closing thoughts. Love that. I'll just echo everything that you said. Yeah, th- this is a show where we pretty much cover like anything interesting happening within like Bitcoin Web3 and like Ordinal Stamps, Counterparty, any of it. And like BRC20 is definitely blowing up in a major way right now. There's very much some sort of hype cycle going on. And I don't know if it can go up 100x from here or if this is the peak. Like none of us know that. And just be very aware that, like, in every single hype cycle ever, like, we will be on this show in a month, and that hype cycle will have ended. And again, I don't know when that peaks or whatever, but just realize that we're in extreme price discovery at the moment, and these things are extremely volatile. With that said, I'm not saying what I'm about to say because I'm telling you, like, go buy BRC20 tokens. I'm saying it because I think there has been, like, 
again, very similar to the first month of ordinal inscriptions. There's a lot of scams going on. So I'm going to provide two ways that like seem like the two main ways people are basically like buying the BRC20 token right now. So the number one way is you have to go to Unisat and then view access their marketplace where you can just click a few buttons and then buy whatever BRC20 token you want. They sort it from like cheapest price to highest price. So you would obviously just buy the cheapest one. And then the second way is Jack up here, this OrdSwap Discord. They basically have a want to buy and want to sell channel. You basically, it's on you to go in there and search for somebody who has a token that you're interested in. Okay. You find that person, you communicate with them over DM, and then you definitely don't do the trade by yourselves. This is where people are getting scammed. You definitely, there are probably other escrows, but their escrow fee at 5% seems like a very reasonable solution. And I know a bunch of people have been using them. So you just go to their escrow channel, create a ticket, and they will work with you and that seller or buyer. And you'll basically be able to do a, a escrow knowing that what you're buying is legitimate, right? People are basically inscribing these transfer functions without holding the inscription or maybe they're malforming the JSON in a certain way. And they're basically like, you're buying nothing, right? It looks like you're buying 50,000 of some token, but you're buying literally nothing. And you have to be able to check that. And these guys will check it out for you and they will actually custody it for you to make sure you're actually going to get sent what you're supposed to get sent. So those are the two main ways if you want to get involved, like the number one question I've got is like, how do I buy? How do I buy? How do I buy? So I wanted to end the space by just saying those are the two kind of like safe ways that we know of now. Again, nothing's completely safe. Unisat had a five Bitcoin double spend attack like three days ago. So this is all still extremely degen in my opinion. But user experience is going to get better. But if you do want to dabble, those are the only two ways that I'm like seeing like people responsibly doing this at the moment. Thanks, Leo. What a fantastic discussion today. I learned a lot. I had a great time with all of the panelists and speakers that came up today. Make sure if you're in the audience, you give our panelists and speakers a follow. They come up here to share their knowledge, to share alpha, and to share their perspective with all of you, bringing value to the community. We appreciate them so much. For all of you in the audience, we also love and appreciate you as well. We host this show 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and 10.30 a.m. on Mondays, Eastern Standard Time. We bring the best people in the space here to talk about the leading edge of Bitcoin, the most difficult topics. We love heated debates here. We love disagreement. And so we'll see you guys again on Wednesday. Make sure you follow at The Ordinal Show on Twitter and subscribe to our Substack newsletter. We post weekly recaps in there, clips, thoughts, edited versions of the show as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so that you can catch up to anything that you missed. And we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Have a great week and and get playing, get tinkering. Go out there and inscribe some of these BRC20s. We'll see you guys soon.